Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Just to kick things off, as you heard from uh, John Hart in news there, the government seemingly forced into something of an embarrassing U-turn today on that issue of the pandemic unemployment payment. Those in receipt of the welfare benefit will, we are now told, be able to travel to green list countries without having that payment docked. Uh, It had proven a very, very thorny issue since we learned from the Sunday Business Post at the weekend that people who were leaving uh, from Irish airports uh, were being scrutinised and if they were on the payment, uh, that in many cases it was being withdrawn from them. Now, we did have the government say... But really, it was uh, people who were leaving for good and still uh, thinking they could pocket the 350 a week that they were targeting in this. But anyway, today, Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys initially standing over the position and insisting it was government policy to restrict the movement of people outside of the country because of COVID-19. However, she has now announced the people on the payment, uh, which was introduced uh, when the country went into lockdown, of course, will now be able to travel to green list countries. She says her officials will review cases where people lost their payment as well if they've already travelled abroad in recent weeks and she said people who fly to non-green list countries for essential travel purposes so in other words to visit a sick relative to attend a funeral that kind of thing also won't be penalised if they are in receipt of the payment it's the latest in a series it has to be said of quite embarrassing U-turns by the very new government they're only in power a couple of weeks we've had ministers in ministers out We've had, you know, a number of of embarrassing uh, issues for the government, this being the latest in them. Um, So what do you think? Do you think that uh, Heather Humphreys and the government have now done the right thing by allowing people who are on that pandemic uh, payment to be able to travel to green list countries and not have it cut? What is the wider issue then for people who are in receipt of other more usual, more regular social welfare benefits because of legislation that was changed in the Dáil last night specific to them? And because this issue even came to public prominence because of the reports in the Sunday Business Post at the weekend, we learned that changes had actually been made or or notified on the uh, department's website in recent days about people who are regularly in receipt of, of social welfare. Should they be allowed to go overseas now as well? And my I, my feeling on this all along was, why were you penalising people in receipt of, of a pandemic unemployment payment who'd been paying tax into the system themselves up until very recently uh, from going on holidays to the likes of Malta or Greece or Italy or any other country on the green list when you weren't penalising them to go for going to Bundoran or to Tremor or to West Cork or, or any of those places. So we want to know what you think about this. Do you think that this U-turn by Heather Humphreys today is the right thing to do? Uh, or should we g- genuinely always regularly be stopping anyone who's in receipt of any welfare payment from being able to claim it if they go overseas? on a holiday. First up today, I want to talk to you about the Help to Buy scheme. Uh, Now, you're familiar with the scheme. It was introduced as part of Budget 2017 by the previous government uh, as a measure to help first-time buyers to get together the level of savings that they required. Of course, we know the central bank changed the rules a few years ago. People needed uh, a deposit of of, of, uh, at least... uh, 20% 20% in order to fund uh, the purchase of a new home. And so as part of those uh, measures, which some said were very restrictive, 
the government brought in the um, help to buy scheme. Now, last week, the amount payable under that scheme increased from €20,000 to €30,000 per couple as part of the government's July stimulus package. There have been anecdotal reports since of very sudden price rises in uh, the price of new homes, up to ten grand following this change. That's in a week, lads. Um, and there have been also claims that all this does is inflates the price of housing for all potential buyers with allegations that really it's developers who are the ones who are going to win here, uh, not the couples. Now, over the weekend, Labour spokesperson on housing, Rebecca Moynihan, called for the scheme not only to be reduced back, but to be completely scrapped following those overnight uh, five-figure price increases. I'm going to speak with Rebecca in just a moment. Before I do, I want to ask what you think of scrapping the help to buy. Maybe you used it in recent years to get your first house. Did you find Find it beneficial? Could you have bought that house without it? Or did it just top up what you already had in savings? Maybe um, you think it's the complete opposite. Maybe that you think that nobody should be getting this. You know, I know certainly when I bought my house a good few years ago now, I was a first time buyer. Not only did I not get any help to buy, I also had to pay stamp duty. That's gone. Um, so, you know, maybe you think this is completely unfair, that it's giving some people who, the ones who probably don't need it, an unfair advantage. Uh, Rebecca Moynihan uh, from the Labour Party, their housing spokesperson, joins me now on the Nile Boylan Show. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. You're Firstly, right. before we get, if you don't mind, into the nuts and bolts of the um, Help to Buy scheme, I just want to ask your initial reaction to that announcement from Heather Humphreys a little while ago about the uh, PUP payment now uh, not going to be stopped for people who travel to greenless countries. I know the Labour Party were out uh, late on Sunday and on Monday saying that this was um, w- was a disgrace and shouldn't be stopped. Can I get just your, your reaction and your party's reaction to that? Well, I think it's welcome, but I think it's very um, it, it, it's very worrying that government policy, particularly in relation to the UK payment it, uh, and travel, is being made on the hoof. Um, like we see, we have a list of green countries now, but the government are also advising people, you know, not to travel except for essential reasons. My big worry is some of the cases that you read about, um, particularly the case of a woman who is due to travel to France and decided not to go. To France and her um, payment was stopped. It's really worrying about what data is being shared between um, the, the the airports and ferries, um, who they're who they're being shared with, and I think we need to have questions in terms of what information was being made, made available where. If well, you're on the full pay, if you're on the full payment, um, you are essentially furloughed. You are expected to go back to work, and that's the difference between the full payment and the job seekers benefit and job seeker payment. Even on job seekers, people were allowed to go away on holiday for for, for, for two weeks. But the government messaging on both the full payment and also travel is essentially being made up of on on the hoof. And that's the problem with it. So she's now announced that people can travel if they're going to greenest countries for essential travel. You either say to people that they can't travel and you're advising them not to travel outside the state because we are still in the middle of a viral pandemic or you tell people that they are able to travel and in which case it is up to people to decide if they're deeming that travel essential travel or not and the conditions of that should not be attached to social welfare payments. So again, speaking out of both sides of their mouth, which is the, the claim that's been made um, about government and against government in recent days and in recent weeks, just in relation to the... And making the, of government policy as they go along and as there are public outcries, which I think is a very difficult, dangerous thing to do. And I think it's very difficult for people. If you're on the put payment, I think you've had hugely confusing 
messages that have been sent to you in relation to pub and in relation to travel. And I think one of the concerns that I have is the vote that happened last night in terms of putting the pub payment on a statutory footing mm. and make it, making it about job secrets. If I was working in a bar for 30 years and suddenly I now have to be seeking work and I'm seeking work and I get a job somewhere else, Am I not, not entitled to the redundancy that I otherwise would have been entitled to? I think it's very confusing for okay. people. And, and I think this on-the-hoof policymaking could potentially have very long-term financial um, implications for people who are not in a great financial situation at the moment. Okay, uh, and that's a, a good point, I think, well made. Um, I want to come back to the uh, the mining of the information and the data and how that's being done and the manner in which that is being done, which you raised as you had a concern about. That was actually begun by Joan Burton back in 2012 a Labour Minister for Social Protection. And it was on the back of an outcry of uh, people, apparently welfare tourists who had maybe worked here during the height of the Celtic Tiger, having lost their jobs, having returned to their home countries, but flying into Ireland every week or two to sign on and collect their dole payments. So that's actually the, 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 the legislative permission that was given for that and the go-ahead for that is actually a Labour Party policy back from 2012. So I think it's a statutory instrument that goes back to 2005 and I, I think we're confusing and conflating. What I was talking about is where you have a situation where somebody wasn't travelling um, and they essentially decided not to travel then and they obviously got passenger and data information that was then fed back or that's what it seems like um, like on, on, on the, the, the that's what it seems like on the surface of the newspaper reports that have been been coming out. Um, like I go back to the point is that if you were on the poor payment, the, the the government messaging and what has been allowed around it is extremely confusing. The government messaging around whether or not you are allowed to travel is extremely confusing. If somebody decides to leave the state and you know move home to another country. I don't think it's unreasonable that the Department of Social Protection then say, okay, well, you're not able to claim social welfare here. But it's different in the context of where we are with the put payment and what's been happening with the put payment and what's been happening in relation to to travelling um, around and it's confused messaging that people who are on the put payment don't know whether they can go to greenest countries even though there were greenest countries that were announced and they weren't told that payments would be cut because they were not meant to be travelling outside the state. There's a difference between moving home to another country and there's a difference between going for essential travel to stay somewhere else okay. for a couple, a, a couple of weeks and I think we actually have to detach the kind of the, the longer term measures that let's say the Department of Social Protection t- take and what what has happened over the last couple of months for people who have ended up on the put payment. You can travel abroad. If you're on job seekers um, allowance or benefit, you can travel abroad for two weeks at a, at a time. That's always been the case. You know, that is pretty much the standard that's there and that's fine. But I think there's huge confusion in relation to the put payment if you're travelling for essential purposes or not or whether or not you're allowed to travel while, while taking it. And, and, and I if I were on the put payment, it would stand that I thought that I would be able to travel for essential purposes. And, you know, we I, I don't think the Department of Social Protection um, 
should be uncompassionate if people have to travel if somebody is sick, particularly in the middle of a global and pandemic. I, I think, I think, and I think that's the background that we have to be aware and of. And I think Heather Humphreys certainly seems to have had that uh, realisation today, if not before today. Uh, Rebecca, listen, thank you for answering the questions on those. I want to move on now to the reason why you've joined us on the programme today, the Help to Buy scheme. Again, another decision taken by government in recent weeks as part of their much-lauded July stimulus package, uh, increasing the amount that's available, payable under this scheme from 20 up to 30,000 euro um, for couples availing of it. It's been something that, um, you know, I mean, the central bank changed the rules. It is very hard, particularly if you're renting, to try and save the money to get on that property ladder. Yet in actual fact, when you're on it, you're probably paying less in a mortgage repayment every month than you are in rent. So it's in everyone's interests that as many people who can afford to buy their own homes do so, they may need a helping hand. It's proven to be successful in the last few years. Why is your reaction to the increase not just to claw back on that increase, but to scrap it completely? Well, I don't think it's proven that it has been successful in in recent years. And a study in DSRI said that 85% um, of um, 40% of people who were availing of the help to buy already had deposits, right? So they had a loan to value ratio. So I, I think when we're spending money and we're giving money for something like this, I think we have to have a look at what we are not funding. And as part of the July stimulus, what we have not funded is there were no ter- measures for, for renters. Um, a number of renters, it, it, the cost of rent is over, um, the DAF report said it's over 2,000 euro in Dublin. Yeah. We have no measures for renters. There's no uh, measures to alleviate bills of rental arrears, particularly as we have a tapering off of the put payment. I think that's a ticking time bomb that's going to come down the line. There was no money available in the July stimulus for things like retrofitting of, of um, social housing complexes or even money put into direct bills of social housing to try and alleviate the supply crisis. Money was put into voids and money was put into the help to buy scheme. If you have 40% of people availing the help to buy who already have deposits, they are not needing help to buy. And it's not a particularly targeted measure to get people onto the property ladder. But the effect that it has, and particularly as this applies to new builds, I give you 10,000 extra euro to buy a house, Mm. but I'm giving everybody 10,000 extra euro or allowing them to avail 10,000 extra euro. What am I going to do as a developer if I'm developing new builds? I know that that money is available and I'm going to put up and correspond um, the pricing that I put on new builds exactly the same for that because people aren't getting into bidding wars in the same way as they are for, for, for um, second-hand homes. So it's just going to be, I have 10,000 extra euro, I'm going to spend 10,000 extra euro on the house that's going up. So it's not a particularly targeted way. And I, I think you make a really important point there in that the cost of rent is more expensive. Mm, a lot more expensive. Than the cost of service in a mortgage. Yeah. I was recently doing it, doing it for a planning application and I was looking at the cost of renting as opposed to buying within my own area. So the average cost of um, renting a one-bedroom apartment in Dublin 8 uh, was about €1,800. Euros. If I was to get um, a mortgage... Sorry, just let me co- stop you for one second, Rebecca. Back up. A one-bedroom apartment in Dublin 8... Eighteen hundred euros. Eighteen hundred euros, and that was the DAF report. I then had a look at what the the the, the buying prices in um, the DAF report were, and I think it was three hundred and fifteen. I calculated that if you got if you had a ten percent um, deposit and you were paying back a mortgage over thirty five years, and it worked out 
even allowing um, for higher interest rates, it worked out at about 800 a month, right? Okay. So we it's have a huge a difference. It's, it's a huge difference. So we do have a problem in terms of we don't have supply coming onto the market for people to be able to buy. And so there's, there's an affordability in rent. Now, if, if you were able to calculate what you are paying on rent in terms of the ability to pay back a mortgage, I think that is you know, a, a much more progressive step than essentially giving people money in the house to buy, which is just going to... Put, but put Rebecca, is there not so a case Is there measure. not a case to be made that one can feed into the other? So in other words, the more you help somebody to get that foot on the property ladder, they're leaving rental accommodation. That frees that up and then brings down the cost. Technically, it can bring down the cost. The more people you have purchasing their own homes, the less of a scramble there is for uh, rental accommodation. Therefore, it's a supply and demand law and the demand decreases and rents reduce somewhat or taper off at least. So let's go back to my criticism of what happened in the July stimulus. There were no measures for renters that are included in there, and as a short-term stimulus measure. But renters, I, I, renters, I, sorry, I, and I don't, I don't mean to jump on in on top of you, Rebecca. But renters are getting, um, you know, they ha- they have been given assurances that they can't be evicted and that they can't have any rent increases. Well, that's not true, and that is ending on the first of August, so it's ending on, on Saturday. Well, Darrow O'Brien tells us it will be extended, it, and it'll be an extended in a very targeted way for those it, people it, who it, really it, need it. The, 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 the limitations of the extension are very, very tight. It's people who self-declare. It's self-declare that they have got into financial difficulties as a result of this, and there's a criminal um, offence that's attached to that. Now, I, I think there might be difficulties if, you ha- let's say, you're living with housemates who haven't lost their job, um, which is the case for an awful lot of people in their 20s and 30s. And so in terms of like what the self-declaration is, is very, very unclear. Um, and the rental freeze only applies to them. We know that the majority of people who are entering homelessness are entering homelessness from the private rented sector. And a lot of the time, it's from landlords who are, let's say, getting out of the property market. But again, so but again, Rebecca, if, again, Rebecca if, if we are, instead of giving the funding to people to get on the property ladder, we're instead diverting it to people in, in uh, rental tenancies, all that does is conflate that market and sees the cost of rents increasing. So you're kind of, it, you know, it, it, wherever the allocation goes, the knock-on effect seems to be, and we've seen this from the Bacon Report, we've seen it from Bacon too. Michael McDool, don't forget the involvement of him in the uh, pre-election uh, it's, uh, pledges about stamp duty back in 2007, immediately stalled the property market here. Whatever action uh, a, a government or politicians take in relation to housing always seems to have some sort of effect that is negative for one side or the other. Okay, so you go back and you say there's a supply and demand crisis and I completely agree with that. There was no money given in the July stimulus for new bills for local authorities, for local authorities to be able to um, build and take people who are currently on HAP and move them back into a local authority setting or in, or in social housing. So my criticism of the buy-to-let scheme is it is a very untargeted measure. It's not a good use of resources we have when it comes to housing. And the only effect of it, and I think that, 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 that we can see 
anecdotal evidence, but I imagine in a couple of months' time when people sit down and take a, a clear look at this is the effect of this will be that the price of new beds will go up because that's what happens when you have a supply shortage as well. And, and Okay, but, know, if, but, but again, we, I'll, again, we I'll we make the point know. again, I'll make the point to you, Rebecca, it is targeted because it's targeted at first-time buyers firstly. Secondly, if those first-time buyers aren't being a, in a position to, to actually make that jump onto the property ladder, then it just means there's more people in rental accommodation, there's more demand for that and therefore the prices stay higher. Final question to you, if the uh, if you if you want, if you, if, you don't, if you don't think that this is the way to go, what is the alternative then for first-time buyers if we scrap help to buy? What can be done to help those people get their home and purchase it and continue to pay their mortgages? So we know that 40% of people already have a deposit who've been avail- availing of help to buy and I, I think being able to... That leaves 60% afford- who don't. But, but, but in terms of if you have a measure, it's not a particularly effective measure. And I think that's clear. 40% already have access to that. Um, I, I think being able to account for what you are able to pay in rent and incorporate that into a mortgage for affordability. But we also have a supply crisis. And how do we address the supply crisis is we actually have direct government bills and we have direct government bills in the area of cost rental, which is something that the Labour Party um, is an advocate for. And we actually expand out who the the state is providing. Cost rental has proven to be effective in other countries. We have a couple of schemes that are in a pilot project in a pilot stage here, um, but I think that we need to be putting more money into cost rental housing and the government providing the money up front to local authorities. I was on Dublin City Council for a long time, particularly involved in something like Devney Gardens, where we were essentially, essentially because government weren't providing money to us to do direct builds and to manage the properties ourselves. Uh, there, a, a private developer is now coming in mm. and then has to build a certain portion. I know, of that. and it's still we it's were, and it's still mired up. And, and O'Devany Gardens yeah. is still an issue. I think I don't believe that's that's far from sorted. Uh, Rebecca uh, Moynihan, Labour's housing spokesperson, I have to live it there. Times against us. Where do you stand on this? Do you think that the first time buyers help to buy schemes should be scrapped? Do you think that the money should be allocated for people who are in private rented accommodation? Do you think that nobody should be doing anything and it should be left to everyone to just fend for themselves? A few of your comments on. On text and WhatsApp, building more houses won't do Jack S to fix the housing crisis. It's like fixing a leak in a bath without turning off the tap. Uh, not only is the problem here to stay, it's only going to get worse as long as we're not allowed to talk about what is obviously causing this issue. Uh, what is obviously causing this, this issue? Please uh, get back in touch and let us know what you believe that is. And still no mention of what's causing this sky high increase in rents and homes. It's supply and demand. We all know what's driving this demand. Shh, don't mention it. Let's keep ignoring the elephant in the room. Again, I'm a little in the dark. I mean, you know, if you're going to call it, call it and, and tell us precisely where you think uh, the backlog is occurring here. Uh, Kieran is uh, joining me on the Nile Boylan show. Kieran, you actually availed of the help to buy a grant. So I presume the last thing you'd want to hear if you hadn't gotten your foot on the property ladder yet is the Labour Party's calling for it to be scrapped. Yeah, Tara. Message, I used it a couple of years ago and um, I got nearly up to €20,000 for a self-build. Now, I was in charge of the bills myself, so I, the money that was allocated to me, I could spend it whatever way I wanted on the bill. Yeah. Um, I can hear what you're saying now on the radio um, what, about contractors, that they're just going to put up the price of the houses. And that, that is going to happen, whether you like it or not. That, yeah. That's the way it is. But I think there's two sides of the story as well. Like scrapping it entirely is not really fair on people who are building their own houses. But the criteria is very strict on it, and you cannot have bought a house before it and all that. 
So th- there's rules and regulations there, but the grant is very, very beneficial to people who are just trying to build their house for the first time. Kieran, and um, I don't think anyone would dispute that. And I mean, you know, yeah. that's the ideal situation if you were building your home yourself and you had full autonomy over what you spent the money on and how it was how it was spent. That's yeah. one thing. The vast majority of people, though, who do uh, claim um, the help to buy scheme uh, are actually purchasing new homes. And so they are buying them direct from a developer. Um, in many cases... Getting that twenty grand or thirty grand, and not, you know, it's they're the maximum amounts that are available. That has to be said as well, and it is dependent on how much tax an individual or a couple have paid into the system over the previous, I think, it's four years. So it's yeah. not not everyone's just getting a check for twenty grand or thirty no, grand. No, it doesn't no, work no, no. that way. No, no. But uh, if they didn't have that ten, fifteen, twenty grand, they just wouldn't be able to buy again for maybe another two years, three years, or five years. I know, but I can see the two sides of the story. Like, if 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 you have a grant now of the thirty grand, and the contractor's putting up the houses of twenty or thirty grand, what's the difference? You know, um, compared to self build, at least with self build, you know where the money's going. But if they put up these grants, the houses are going to just get more expensive. You know, simple as that. That's what's going to happen. That's a longer. That's what's going to happen down the road. Yeah, houses are going to go up in price. People, people know that. They know that if they're buying a house for 300000 now and this grant comes in, it's going to be 320 or 330 by the time you know this grant is finalised. Simple as that. That's what's going to happen. I don't know how the government are going to regulate that. It's very hard to regulate. What about you know? Rebecca Moynihan and the Labour Party's point, though, that, that this money should be more evenly spread, that an awful lot of the people who are in receipt of this have the money anyway. 40%, Rebecca said, have the deposit already sitting there. They don't need that to be topped up necessarily by another 20 or 30 grand, whereas it's people who are trying to pay rent of €1,800 Euro a month, Rebecca pointed to, for a one-bed in Dublin 8. It's them, actually, that need the dig out here, not people yeah, who are who is, are going to be is. getting a mortgage. Yeah, it is. But the houses aren't there for them. So, you know, short term, there's no real solution. They'll have to come up with some long term solution because we're just going to be at this for a long, long time before we get to any solution with it, really. And would you have um, any pointers as to what might that solution might be? <laughs> I suppose, I suppose the, the more houses they build, the quicker, really. But it, it's a case of there's no point giving a grant to people for houses that are going to just go up in price. If the houses aren't there, there's no point giving them a grant. You, do you see what I'm saying? Like, the houses aren't there, they're not even being built yeah. yet, like. So they're not even here to really talk about grants. But what about um, some of the more controversial measures that have been suggested for donkey's ears at this stage, but nobody seems to be doing anything about them in terms of things like, for example, taxing developers for hoarding land? You know, there's yeah. still a lot of land that's sitting there unused. Yeah. No one's going in to actually develop it and build build the properties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should 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 that be used uh, as partly an incentive anyway to to get to get cracking, get building? Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. There's a lot of ghost estates still in the country. A lot of developments never finished, and there are, in every county, yeah, there's a lot of houses still could be done up. You see, the contractors are there to make money. Building contractors are there to make money. Of course they are. They're it's not, their business. Yeah, they're a business and if their business is not viable, they go down to Swanee and they want to make money and they're, and the government haven't been too hard on them. Um, when the country went into, after the Celtic Tiger, when it went into into the hole, we everyone fell into that hole. Simple as that. And the contractors did as well. They lost a lot of money. I know people say they were greedy and all that, but they're very slow to come back. They'll tell you if they're building a scheme of houses and it's going through five phases, 
they'll only get the money for phase one when phase one is finished. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, they would have got the money for five phases up yeah. front. And they're telling you, they're, they, they don't have the money to keep going. Simple as that. Well, I'll tell you, and, people who don't have the money, it seems certainly are anyone who's living in uh, in private rented accommodation because the rates that are being quoted, um, as Rebecca Moynihan pointed out in the DAFT report, absolutely extortionate. Uh, Kieran, thanks for telling us about your uh, use of that help to buy scheme. What do you think? Should it be extended? Should it be increased further? Should it be scrapped? Should there be some middle ground? Uh, get in touch and let us know. Now, I want to go back to the issue that we kicked off the programme with the pandemic unemployment payment and this uh, U-turn from uh, Heather Humphreys, the Social Protection Minister, now saying that anyone in receipt of the PUP, if they wanted to or needed to go to a green list country, that they could uh, still keep their uh, 350 or slightly adjusted downwards uh, sum on that. And that, in fact, anyone in receipt of PUP who wanted to go to a non-green list country, if they had an essential reason for doing so, could keep the money as well. Uh, Tom, what's your view on this? Has Heather Humphreys finally done the right thing? Has the government seen the light on this? Yeah, well, before I answer that, may I make a comment upon your last caller? You can. He said that uh, uh, when, the, when the downturn came in the Celtic Tiger, everybody fell into that hole. He's incorrect. I think he was, well, he was referring to, to, to developers no, falling the into developers, the hole. Developers, builders, speculators, that's a lot of nonsense. They most certainly did not fall into that hole. Well, you had very different categories of, yeah, uh, very different categories uh, of that. And you had some of the, the some of the bigger guys were kept by NAMA and paid salaries of 250 yeah, grand a year. It. And not only that, but the people who fell into the hole most were the people like you and I who are workers or were taxed at source. Now, going back to the, the covert payment. Yeah. Uh, I think that, the, that, first of all, to restrict any human being's movement in this modern day and age, smacks of medieval control of the peasant. That's the first thing I would say. And secondly, I would say that um, uh, uh, the government's approach in this uh, and other social welfare matters, uh, related matters, have been totally incorrect. And they've asked the wrong question. If a person is getting the covert payment or upon dole social welfare payment and they're going abroad upon holidays or have a lifestyle that's that's conducive to being on the covert payment or on the dole. Mm. The question should be, how can you, if you're getting this money to survive until you can get a job, how can you afford to go abroad upon holidays? And where are you getting the money to go abroad upon holidays? Since we're paying you to survive. If you're on the dole, uh, where are you getting the money? Where are you getting the money to drive your BMW? And don't tell me that it's not happening because I was a local government officer and I saw it happening. Yeah, and, I, and look, I, whatever, whatever case you may have for your argument in terms of regular social welfare payments, yeah. and, and, and there, there is some basis for that, absolutely. There is. In, in this case, this is PUP. This is something that came across the entire nation very suddenly, practically overnight. Yeah. A decision had to be made. It was made rightly or wrongly at the time you know, in, in a time of pressure, and it was to pay a universal payment. Yeah. Now, we had people at the time kicking, uh, kicking up and screaming, saying that, you know, um, a college student who was earning 150 quid a week working in their local deli on a Saturday was suddenly getting 350, yeah. while somebody who maybe worked, you know, I don't know, in, well, I, I don't suppose people largely in the banks were hugely affected, but somebody who maybe had a very good job, a sales job, earning yeah. a fantastic basic salary, and 
grand commission suddenly was down to 350 quid a week, whereas maybe they'd been used to bringing home a grand a week. Well, so there's always enough. going to be a flaw if you're paying a universal payment. Yeah. But you can't just then judge anyone who's earning 350 a week on this PUP payment who maybe paid for their holiday back in February from going away if their holiday happens to be in a green list country. That is absolutely true. But paying for your holiday back in such and such at a time before this happened is fine. And paying for a holiday... But when you go, there's quite a lot of money spent upon holidays, as you know, when you go abroad, upon whether you're going upon a package deal or whatever other way you're going upon holidays. It's still an expensive outlet. And uh, you're saying there about people who lost their jobs. Uh, if 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 the if the if the if the cover payment hadn't been introduced and people lost their job as a result of it and had paid their contributions, they would still be entitled to dole. They would, and and in some cases it would be at a lower rate than they're getting now at the and, moment uh, with the yes, PUP. Indeed. But, yes. al- but also, you know, an awful lot of people said during the lockdown phase in particular that they'd more money than they had before because they weren't spending it. They weren't out in the pubs. They weren't out in the restaurants. They couldn't get their hair done. They couldn't get their nails done. They couldn't go to the golf club and play golf at the weekend. Uh, you know, they, 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 the, the money that would have been spent on a First Holy Communion this year actually wasn't spent at all. And so if they happen to have a few quid under the mattress... Yeah. Why aren't they entitled to spend yes, it and go away? Well, I, heard you, I heard that argument too. But then um, uh, if you sit down and look at your household budget, you look at uh, uh, paying your mortgage, paying your insurance, uh, if your car tax came up, uh, if you had a medical bill to pay. Uh, there's a lot of other things that's actually drawing from, 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 your, from your wage when you're working. Uh, and th- those things are still there on the covert. Yeah, but absolutely. Say, and you could say that, that maybe... It's, it's not really, it's not really a, 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 a very relevant argument. Because well, it, it could be a very relevant argument if by the same token, okay, you're paying your car tax and you're paying your insurance bills or you're paying whatever, but you're not paying your mortgage because you've got six months that you don't have to pay your mortgage. So, you know, it's not, I don't, I don't think, Tom, that it's necessarily fair to take the view that, uh, you know, everyone who's getting the 350 uh, is living at large. Well then, well if well then if if you if if you if you are getting your three fifty, and you have money to spend outside of that, then I'm afraid uh, other questions have to be asked. I mean, there's such a thing as social fairness, and um, uh, there are people who are who are probably getting less because they're less fortunate. Um, people who are uh, seriously ill, for example, will be getting less payment. So we, we, there is such a thing as a social conscience when it comes to payment. And uh, the, the government and people keep, people keep saying this, and it sort of it, it, it really gets great on my nerves that uh, it, the government are giving you money for this, and the government the government are not actually giving you money for anything. This is money that's actually being taken from people who are in employment, including the people who are getting uh, the, the covert The payment. PUP payment, absolutely. Yes. So, uh, And they have been paying into the system literally until a couple of weeks ago when uh, all hell break loose. Are you with Tom? Do you think there's a social conscience element of this? And irrespective of whether you can afford it or not, if you're on, your, on the PUP, you just should not be going on holidays, whether that's in Ireland or overseas. Tom is still on the line. Tom was making the point that... Um, there's a moral argument here. There's a social conscience involved in this. We're in it together. And whether you have the money, whether irrespective of your means, whether you have 
50 grand sitting under the uh, the mattress and you're getting your 350 a week or, or whether you, you're you're on the breadline with that, you shouldn't be going overseas. Josephine, uh, you were, uh, you had your feathers ruffled a little by Tom's point of view. Yeah, it's not just by Tom's point of view at all, really, Tara. It's um, a fairly ignorant attitude, if you ask me, and that's my personal um, opinion now. Um, I just feel that this country has gone to the dogs completely. It's been bad before, but it's never been this bad. And I've never heard the Irish to be pitted against one another as much as they are these days. To hear that argument that if people are going on holidays who are getting a payment, how can they afford to go on holidays? How dare anybody judge anybody where they're going? Tom? These people are paying, probably paid their taxes. They've probably been working all their lives. And just because they're now getting a payment... They're entitled to go wherever they like. Tom, and do you want to respond to what Josephine has to say? I would That's their own yes, money. Indeed. I would certainly like to respond to it. First of all, I said that people should not be restricted in where they're going. I agree I with that. that. I said that the personal protection payment um, uh, for the covert, uh, like dole payment for people who lose their job, are there to help people uh, in a social situation to survive. And, not at and, all, Tom. They're the entitled to it because I'm sorry, Tom. You're wrong. It is not there so that they can survive. It's, it's there because there their jobs are no longer available to them. Listen, hold on a moment. That's that. Don't be. That's not the argument. That's not the point at all. I'm saying if you lose your job tomorrow morning, and whether whether you're going to get the the, the covert payment or you're going to get dole, that's there to help you survive until you get another job. That's a fact. And, and why, I'm sorry, and you're wrong. It's again. not just to survive. That's the, it's uh, not just to survive, Tom. That's a very ignorant attitude. Hang on a moment. People yeah. are given the money because they've paid their taxes. And just because you believe that they're only given the money to survive, that's I'm not, afraid you might need, you know, maybe you need here. to go it's on that payment yourself. Of course maybe you might need to go on the payment. door for a little while. Of course it is. People uh, are entitled to go on holiday, irrespective as to what payment they're getting. And you or nobody else has any right to question the money. Now, Tom and Josephine, Tom, you certainly seem to have uh, rattled um, the well, horses at this stage well, as well. well Antoinette, I'm bringing in Antoinette as well blind. now, Tom. She has, blind, some, she has some words for you too. Antoinette, what's your view to what Tom is saying? Are people uh, in receipt of this purely to survive and so therefore shouldn't be going on their holidays? No, they shouldn't be. At the end of the day, you know what I mean? People that are on that pan- pandemic payment, people have worked all their lives. My husband was actually, he was out, well, no, thankfully it was only for a month. But he was on that payment while he was out. I myself am a carer for my child. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I get social welfare. Yeah. But I actually work more hours than my husband does. And I get less money. Mm-hmm. So why should Tom be able to judge people like me, whose husband goes out and walks his backside off, has paid tax, and a lot of tax, believe me. I pay tax on my carers. Yeah. And are arguably arguably saving the state a lot of money by fulfilling that caring role in the first place. I want to go on holidays. Why should Tom dictate to me, because I am on social welfare, whether, where I can and where I cannot go. If I am going on my holidays, my child comes with me. I'm still caring for her mm-hmm. when I'm on my holidays. I don't get a day off. 
Well, Tom? Well, listen, first of all, let me correct the, 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 their thinking. Uh, the government actually stated when this payment was actually introduced that this it's was a payment taxable. to help people survive through it's the corporate payment. That's the first thing. Secondly, my p- argument is this, that I don't have any objection to people going anywhere um, uh, at any time, providing they can afford it. However, having paid into the tax system, like I have paid into the tax system and everybody oh, right. else who works, that if you then uh, uh, find yourself in, in a situation where you are getting covert payment or you're getting dole payment and you're going upon an expensive holiday someplace, the question has to be asked, why then are you getting this payment if you can afford to take an expensive holiday Because the majority of people who are going on their holidays have paid for their holidays before this pandemic kicked in. Problem with people who have paid that who've paid for their holiday. How do you distinguish? How do you distinguish? What are you supposed to do? Stop them at the airport and ask them, did they pay in advance or did they not? And then, Tom, also, there's another point in this, which I think is being lost somewhere in the ether. People in receipt of the PUP and any other welfare payment, they were being found out, in inverted commas, because they were actually travelling overseas. What about the people who were having a holiday here at home? You can't just penalise somebody for having a holiday that might involve getting on a plane and those that might involve getting into a car or getting a train to take their holidays. This is a huge issue. I think it's going to run and run and run, despite the fact that we now have a U-turn on it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.